This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Psalms 116 and 12 says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? You know, we read that passage there, and there's probably no one here that would disagree with that. When we look at what we've got in this country and what we've got in each of our homes, and we think about how blessed we are, and we can look at different situations, like when Sean goes to Nigeria or when someone goes to India, and we see the conditions that they live in, and those people are happy. Certainly they are. We get reports of that. They live in poverty, and yet they find a way to be happy. But when compared to what we have in this country, it's unbelievable the amount of wealth that we have. So many blessings that we've been given. And so when we read a passage like this, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? We can't help but think of all of those things. All of those things that we've benefited from. All the opportunities that we have in this country. We've been given all of those things. What shall we render unto the Lord? First question we've got to ask is, what does he want from us? What does God want from us? You know, we're greatly blessed by being his people, and he expects to be first in our lives in return. That's really what he wants when it comes down to it. He wants to be first in our lives. But what do we hold back from him? If we're going to put him first, what is it that we hold back do we hold back anything? We're going to look at a short passage now about Abraham and his son Isaac. It says in Romans 12, I'm sorry, in Romans 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He wants a life spent sacrificing for him. And what does that mean? Does that mean a huge sacrifice is a lot of things that we have to contort our lives and, and make these drastic changes? Not exactly. It means we have a life focused on him and focused on service to him. When we relate of one of his servants, Abraham, in Genesis 22 and verse 2, it says, And he said, Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell thee of. See, we have Abraham, whose only son Isaac was born when he was 100 years old. And Abraham loved Isaac. He loved him dearly. And now God said, offer him to me. Let me take him from you. Now we know that didn't happen in the end. God knew Abraham's heart. And Abraham knew what God expected of him. Abraham knew Everything that he was, everything that he has, everything that he could become was because of God. And he trusted in God in that, in that time. If we continue reading in verse, excuse me, verse 12, it says, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You see, God knew his heart. He knew Abraham followed him, and he knew what Abraham would do in this situation. And we can focus on the fact that Abraham wasn't required to complete that sacrifice, or we can see that Abraham 
wasn't going to withhold anything from God. It didn't matter what it was. Abraham trusted in God. You know, God's never going to ask anything like that from us. He's never asked anything like that from us, and he never will. But he does ask some things from us. Can we not just give him what he asks for to be first in our lives? Can we put him where he wants to be? You know, he was obviously first in Abraham's life, without a doubt. That was first and foremost for Abraham. But we have several other examples of people who did hold back from God, who didn't put God first. We can read of Cain in Genesis 4 and 3. It says, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest well, sin and if thou doest not well, sin life at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God looked at Cain's offering, and it wasn't what God wanted. It didn't meet that criteria. So Cain offered a sacrifice that was not pleasing to God. It wasn't what God asked of him. And his own actions were what caused the problem, yet he was somehow upset with his brother. You know, that may not make sense to us very much. But how many times have we seen individuals where someone will do well and they'll do good and somehow others look at that and they feel threatened by that. They feel like that's hurt them in some way and they try to put others down because they've done well. You know, something that's always perplexed me about this story. When we look at that and we look at the offering that Cain made, and God's come to him and said, that's not acceptable. We have no reason to believe that Cain couldn't have righted that wrong. He would have had that opportunity to right the wrong. But he chose a different path, didn't he? He chose to hate his brother because his brother did what his brothers were supposed to do. Rather than to make that right with God. Rather than to give God what he actually wanted. In Genesis 4 and verse 8 it says... And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. You know, one thing leads to another, and we've seen it. We've seen it in people's lives. They make one bad choice, and one cho bad choice leads to another, and they somehow go down this path. And we watch these things unfold. We see people go down these roads, and we wish it was different. And we may even try to talk to them about those things. And they say, no, this is what I want. This makes me happy. Whatever the case is. And somehow, some way, their life goes in a complete downward spiral. We don't want that for anyone. And God doesn't want that for people. Too many times we've seen that. And we've witnessed it in others. And we need to guard against that and make sure that that doesn't happen to us. We have two passages in the New Testament that reference this event. In Hebrews 11 and 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, but God, 
God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. And then it's referred to again in 1 John 3 and verse 12 where it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because, he own, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. It says why he did that. He did that because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Somebody that's done what they were supposed to do, and you had somebody that didn't do what they were supposed to do, and rather than right that wrong in his life, he turns to his brother who did right, and he slew him. Abel's sacrifice of what God asked didn't change Cain's actions. Abel's death wouldn't change it either. Abel died because of Cain's evil. You know, sometimes holding, withholding from God doesn't end with what God has asked. We withhold a little, and then a little becomes more, and then a little becomes more. And before you know it, God's not even present in people's lives. We can find ourselves in a similar downward spiral until we deny God entirely. That's not the path we want to go down. You know, these things happen, and often it starts out very subtle. It's always subtle. Another example we see of someone withholding that seemed very subtle. In Ananias and Sapphira, in Acts 5 and verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias and, his, and Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You know, we read here, and the problem wasn't that they didn't give it all. The problem was that they were deceitful about it, wasn't it? When they brought those things to the apostles, and they said, here it is. Here's everything that we had. They said, no, that's not all of it. It wasn't that we can tell that that was required, but it was something that they felt the need to be deceitful about. Here the situation comes down not to what they did, but what they said they did. Apparently giving only part of the proceeds wasn't the problem. The problem was they stated that they had given it all. You know, we can do this some of these things this same thing in some ways and try to let assumptions work in our favor we see it in children you know if you ask a child many times did you clean your room oh yeah I cleaned my room my room's clean did you pick up the toys did you make the bed did you pick up your clothes well maybe maybe not to that extent right the assumption there that when I say, yes, I cleaned my room, well, I did a few things. It's clean enough for me. But that child knows what that parent wants. And they allow those assumptions to work in their favor. You know, I heard Judge Heffley tell me one time, he was talking about uh, he didn't like youth court. He didn't like, you know, to hand down sentences or whatever to, to children. 
And he said, you know, a lot of times children, they won't flat out lie to you. He said, I, I don't, really don't see a lot of kids that will just flat out lie to you. But he said, they will rely on the assumptions in their, their favor, though. And we can do that as adults. We can do that as individuals. Rely on those assumptions and hold back. And let people assume we're doing one thing when we're doing something entirely different. And that's what we had here in Ananias and Sapphira. They were holding that back. And we could do the same thing with God. When we think God's going to assume that we're doing all the things that he wants. But you know he knows our hearts. They knew the hearts of Abraham. They knew the, the hearts of Cain and Abel. They knew the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira. And they know our heart too. God knows our heart. We continue on with another example. The rich young ruler. In March 10, verses 17 through 22, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observed from our youth up. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You know, I might react the same way if I were told something like that. If I had these great possessions and I was told, well, you know, if you want to do one certain thing, you're going to have to get rid of all that. That would be difficult, wouldn't it? What do you think happened here? Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew the heart of this rich young ruler. And he could see that those things were going to be a problem in his life. And so he just cut right down to it. He said, go sell what you've got. But the young ruler couldn't do it. Those, th those things, those objects, those possessions took far too much priority in his life. And he just couldn't get past it. And so Jesus just cut right down to it. Go get rid of those things. Come follow me. God's never asked that from us. He's never asked us to give up all our possessions. And he never will. That's not what's been asked of us. But he does want to be first. And if we have possessions in our life and that's a problem for us, then we need to get rid of them. We need to do whatever we need to do so that we can put God first. And that's the lesson that he's teaching here. Once again, Jesus knew his heart. He knew what priority those things took in his life. As a matter of fact, this passage immediately transitions to the passage we're so familiar with about a camel passing through the eye of a needle and how that's easier or it's harder for a man who trusts in riches to enter into heaven for that camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Why is that? Because those things can be a problem in our lives. They can rise up and they can become a priority. Not that they are in every case, but that they can. And we've got to guard against that. 
God knows how we prioritize our lives. He knows when we're holding back in one area or another because he knows our hearts. But the most serious is when we hold back from the gospel. If you're holding back from God, you're in a helpless state. We need to give God what he wants and we need to obey him and do the things he would have us to do so we can live a life in servitude to him and that will improve our lives. The people here care about you. I mean, this, this is a congregation that loves one another. If we want the best for everybody here, but we cannot give you hope when it comes from the sin that separates you from God. We can't do it. Not a one of us can. We would if we could, but there's no hope that we can. We can help you with that. We can help you get where you want to be, but only Jesus can give you that salvation. For those of, the, of you that want to give God what he wants and you haven't obeyed the gospel, do it today. It's a very simple process. We have to believe. In Acts 8, 36 and 37, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That belief is necessary. We've got to believe. And if we don't believe, then none of the rest of it matters. We've got to have that belief. You know, we say, well, why would somebody do that if they didn't believe? Well, there may be this idea out here. Well, I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to go through these motions just in case. And we see a certain line of teaching that goes along in that direction to say, you know... We don't really think that God's real, but just in case he is, we'll do these things. That's not belief. Belief is necessary, and we have to believe in order to have forgiveness. We also have to repent. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to repent. You know, all of these things that we think about in our lives, and we think about the mistakes we've made, and we carry those things with us, we have that guilt that weighs us down. We've got to repent of those things. You know, I think the term of, of the day is... Life's bad decisions. I think I see that one come up a lot. Life's bad decisions. And we think about those things and we think the hurt that they've put in our lives, the hurt that they've put in people around us. What do we have to do in those situations? First, we've got to quit making those same mistakes. We've got to repent of those things. And that's what this is asking us to do is to make a change in our life. We've got to confess Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We've got to confess that we believe that Jesus Christ is the actual Son of God. We've got to make that confession. And finally, we need to be baptized as he's commanded us to do. In Acts 8 and verse 12 it says, But when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. 
Again, in 1 Peter 3 and 21, it says, The like fear whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not to putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here again, the answer of a good conscience. We think about the guilt that we've had in our lives, the problems that that sin has caused for us, and we can put that all away. The answer of a good conscience toward God. Who doesn't want that? That's what we want. When we think of our maker, we want to be right with our maker. And this is how we do it. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.